Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed boost pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sinclair, joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison. What is up, buddy? Welcome to anime. I don't know. What what you got? (laughs) Not that. That was definitely... We're here. We're doing this. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask you to do a second episode this weekend, considering the aneurysm you just had on the first. I don't think I can ask you to do that now. (laughs) I'll come up with something ridiculous. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I think I'm okay after that. Sorry to cause you pain and worry. No, I just... um, yeah, it's like, especially as we continue to age in this world, it's like little things like that. Just, you know, like the 21st is like, there's 10 days left in this. Like, what are we doing? So, but no, overall good. I think um, we have a lot of things on the horizon for the both of us. Uh, Sacramento Cocktail Week is is a few weeks away, which also means that our first live show Woo-hoo! is a few weeks away. That's right. We got that event right up so you guys can click away and get your tickets. What's the over under on the amount of people you think are going to come? Oh, I don't want to do that on air. We're going to air our dirty laundry here. I think 100. 100 people. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to take the under on that. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking the under. We're not we're not playing uh prices right rules here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think I mean, I think talking to uh talking to Andy is going to be a lot of fun and I think it's going to be I think we're going to have some good interactions and we have a couple surprises up our sleeve. So, so if you, if you do want to come out in the middle of the day and watch us, you know, talk, do it. Cause well, it's yeah. going to be great. Well, I'm, we're going to have games and cocktails and it, it'll Are be, jo- it'll be jovial. Yeah. There's going to, and there's going to be really good whiskey. So really good whiskey. And it's really good American whiskey, which, you know, I don't say very often. If at all, ever. So you know it's true. I'm actually really excited about that. I got to try them with Cole the other day, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I ha- had you not had uh, Nelson's Greenbrier before? No, I had not. Oh, and well, that's unfortunate so, for you. So, uh, well, I mean, that, again, that's exciting, I don't. But you got it. I don't seek it out. I don't. That's that's the problem, and I think that's like the funniest thing is because I, I obviously continue to host whiskey tastings like constantly and and all this stuff and then people ask me after like well what do you think of this what do you think of this is like i don't i don't know i don't try them i don't try to find them like ask me about agave ask me about rum like i seek those out you know i seek those out to try them the the whiskeys nah usually not very often but again when you do get to try something cool and you get to talk to the guy who makes it I mean, that's going to be a cool conversation. So yeah, these guys have uh, you know they've got a pretty uh, uh, authentic story too, which is nice. It's not all it's not all uh, you know pomp and circumstance and like good PR writing, uh, which it is that too. But uh, it's not all of it. (laughs) (laughs) What's the okay? So we're we're doing that on what day is that? June sixth, June June sixth, Goldfield, uh, which is here in Sacramento on J Street, uh, part of Cocktail Week. Um, should be should be a blast. I'm I'm at, really looking forward to it. I, I think it's gonna be a great time. At three o'clock. 
Bang. Bang. So again, for all you people with not real jobs, come on out. Hang out with us. It's going to be great. But you know what? That's in the future. I'm all about the present. And today's present is probably the best present. The best present I ever could have. I mean, we're talking to someone who, if if the clouds ever part and the gods allow us to actually meet in person, it's going to be like just transformative for the universe. But this person I've, I've actually be, you know, become pretty good friends with over the years. And it's fun because it's like one of those things that like, there's just like random conversations that we'll have with each other where we just like talk about life and things, which is not just booze, which is a lot of where my conversations go. So, um, our guest, our present to ourselves, the gift that keeps on giving, Mr. Mitch Wilson, the global brand ambassador for Black Tot Rum. Mitch, finally, you're here. We did it. Hey, Drew. How are you? How are you? I'm doing good. It's <laughs> it's late here. At any point, my five-year-old might come screaming into my office. We don't know. But where you're at in Amsterdam, it is bright and early in the morning. It's certainly it's just gone seven a.m. here, so uh, my, my, oh my favorite gosh. time to to drink and talk about rum. <laughs> Americans, I'll tell you that right. They're just like <laughs> talk to me at the most. So, you know, we've been trying to do this. We've been trying to do this for a while, but as I just pointed out, you are a global brand ambassador, and that is a title that you don't take lightly. You went on one hellacious trip recently. Now, now you've been home for about a week and a half now, which is, which is great and different. But you, you've always been a globetrotter, and people can go back and they can check out the early days of Drew's virtual podcast, which you actually came on and were, were really, really great and willing to talk to me. But for, but for people who don't necessarily understand like how this is a real job um, – <laughs> Can you can you break down what it's like to be a global brand ambassador for a rum? Oh, that's a that's a great question. It it really has so many different layers and, and facets to it, and I and I think the the gig has changed completely since I signed the contract to COVID happening to to what the role is now. Um, you know, I I think the image I had in my mind three years ago when I, when I joined Black Tot was, you know, living life in airports, flying around the world constantly, which it's now three years on has just started that aspect. But what, what COVID really changed was it kind of, kind of leveled the playing field in a, in a weird way and, and opened up things like this, like when we recorded together on the happy hour, doing Zooms and virtual tastings. And it meant that you know, we didn't have to wait until someone was over here or if I was flying to California for us to do something. It's like, we can do it right now. We just have to get up at crazy hours of the day and, and, and do it, you know? So, yeah, the, 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 global, the global role has really changed, but I, I think for the better, you know, it's, it's made some aspects of the job a little bit more uh, sustainable and carbon-friendly <laughs> carbon than it was before. And and allowed us to be in places around the world that we we might not have had access to before. 
But yeah, what 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 is the actual role? It depends on the day. It really depends on the day. Some days it will be recording amazing podcasts with 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 yourselves, and some days it's rocking around cocktail bars and you know doing the the glamorous side of the job. And some days it's just hanging out in airports, being super jet lagged, and you know trying to get to the next destination. So, I I think the 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 thing that I've always been curious about, and you know, and again, I I feel very lucky that our friendship has got to grow over the couple years, even though it's been kind of like this weird virtual thing. But I mean, people get really excited when you come to their places. Right. I mean, and it is something that like you can see it through rum enthusiast groups online and stuff like that. And then even just like the feedback after. Are there moments where you're like driving up to a bar and you're just kind of like, I would rather do anything but this right now, but it's time to go put on a fucking show. I mean, is that is that ever creep in on you? Because I'd have to imagine that like, you know, day 13 of a of a 14 day trip has got to be like, like, oh, I got to go put on my, my smiling face because people bought tickets to see the global Rome ambassador. Hey, <laughs> not, not really in that aspect, for, not for me at least. And I find my, my absolute favorite part of the job is, is doing a masterclass, doing a tasting, like sharing whatever, rum knowledge I have with other people and, and discussing it. That that for me is the the highlight of the job that makes everything else worthwhile. Um I think I think the toughest parts really are when it's it's more when life gets in the way. Do you know what I mean? Like something your your dog dies, your your girlfriend's upset, this happens, something like something external comes in and you know you have to go and still deliver and be a hundred percent and be amazing on it. And, and I think those are the toughest things like, like, I guess anyone who is doing, as you say, a show, a, a stand up, a podcast, whatever, you know, your, your life might be falling apart outside, but that's not what those people came to see. So I, you know, I think there's a degree of professionalism you have to have where even if the world is burning around you in that moment, you are there, you are present and, nothing else matters for those two hours. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that certainly makes a lot of sense. It's, I mean, you probably won't get this reference, but it's like the Brett Favre game where his dad dies on Sunday and he has to go out on Monday night football and then, you know, throws for like 300 yards and four touchdowns just has an incredible performance. So you're basically the Brett Favre of rum. I mean, <laughs> that was a much bigger compliment a couple of years ago, like when he wasn't stealing money from people in Mississippi. But like, we're going to go with that version of him. OK, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, again, just more references that you won't fully comprehend. <laughs> so then yeah. so, so you mentioned like this role, this role has changed and you had to do a lot of different a lot of different things. I mean, you know, you guys, you're so you're you're obviously very close with Sukinder Singh, who owns elixir distillers i i I think you know just just sold the whiskey exchange and all that and then you also work with oliver chilton very closely who does all the blends for the black tot rum as well as uh port of skag and the list kind of goes on and on like when you're working with people like that and then and they're actually like taking your opinion seriously what is that feeling because i mean those are like two guys that are very big deals in this industry and again so are you 
But I mean, has there been kind of like any oh shit moments where you're kind of like, oh man, he's like, he's writing down what I said or anything like that thus far in the last couple of years? <laughs> I'm trying to think if they've ever written down anything I've said. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it is. Yeah, it's it's very humbling when you're working with these kind of guys, you know. You know, Sakinda's obviously been in the industry. It, it seems like forever, um, and and Ollie's blending skill is is, uh, you know, in in my opinion, kind of unmatched for for what he does in in his various roles across Black Tot and and our whiskey brands. Yeah, I think you know when when you're working at that kind of level and you've you you're you're throwing ideas around, it's it's interesting because every, everyone has big ideas in that kind of room. You know, everyone is bringing to the table. You know, in Sakinda's case, 30, 40 years of experience, you know, Ollie, 20 years of experience, you know, and, and myself, a, a very humble, about 12, 12 years of experience, you know, and, and, you know, I think because I spend my entire time in the rum world and, and focused on that, it gives me an angle on things which, um, you know, maybe they don't spend as much time on because they're, they're more on the whiskey side. So it's 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 always interesting throwing those ideas into the mix, seeing what seeing what sticks, you know, seeing what they're going to run with, and you know, for every one great idea we have, there might be fifteen which get thrown away, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 tough sometimes to get a, a really good idea through, or what you think is a really good idea through, but when it when it happens and when everything aligns it's it's really exciting to to see it actually come to life and and put it out there and be like oh i i had an impact on that you know it's it seems like as a you know as opposed to other people in this industry especially in the rum world which we won't get into specific names so we know who we're talking about but like the black top team and everybody involved with it is very much so a mindset of rising tides and sharing mm. the spotlight, I think that was really exemplified. Like you guys did this 24 straight hour show uh, during the pandemic where you had guests from all over the world for mm. 24 straight hours talking about rum and everything involved with rum. And it just kind of seems like it's, I mean, obviously being a blend of different distilleries and stuff, you do kind of have to get along with everybody in the sandbox. But in a competitive world and in a place, uh, you know, in UK, I know it's, it's a lot more accepted, but in the U S it's a, you know, rum's a tougher market. What leads that? Like, what's the motivation kind of being behind like, Hey, let's just, let's be friends with everybody and let's work with everybody. I, uh, w- when I first started with black top, uh, Sekinda had sort of said to me that the, the biggest, most important thing for him was making, uh rum blends appreciated and making them significant and he was you know his sort of challenge to me was how do how do we make rum blends seen on the same level as you know the for one of a better term the single malts of rum the single distillery releases you know the mm-hmm. some of these cask offerings that were coming out from people and for me it wasn't a flavor thing the flavor thing was very easy if you put you know Black Top Master Blenders Reserve up against, you know, whatever your favorite rum is, you know, I would take that bet. I think it would hold its own. So it wasn't a flavor thing. For me, it was more of a philosophy thing. Like, uh, you know, why is a blend 
relevant today? How is a blend going to be relevant in the next 10 years? And uh, for me, the, the negative side of blending was that it took away from the individual makers. It took away from the people uh, working at those distilleries and, and came out with some secret blend that only that blender could have put together. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was bullshit. You know, I was like, if uh, the role of a blender should be to celebrate the individual ingredients. It's like like a chef talking about, you know, I sourced this from this farm and I got this meat from this place or whatever it is. And, you know, a chef is only as good as the ingredients he has and a blender is only as good as the ingredients they have. So I just wanted to, us to completely flip this idea around and rather than have some kind of smoke and mirrors and be like, oh, you know, we're not going to tell you where this rum comes from. It's like, no, our job should be to celebrate these places, you know, and, and the rum world's too small to not get along with everyone. You know, it feels like there's only some, on some days it only feels like there's like a dozen of us (laughs) talking about it. You know, we've, we've got to get along. We've got to raise each other up and we might not always agree with each other, but you know, if we can build rum as a category, I think everyone wins. So that's, that's always been my take on it. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome, and I do think that you guys have done a really, really good job of that. You know, and I think that it's been so welcoming. Where you know you do get reached out to by whiskey groups and stuff to come talk with you as well. It's like, hey, this guy just seems like a good time. You know, let's 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 talk about mm-hmm. that. So to get back a little bit to you, your travel schedule and just kind of what you did um, last month, where how okay, so how many countries did you end up being in? over the course of that trip? It was, I think it was 14 countries. Uh, and, I did and what was the three months? Yeah. 14 countries, three months. Now, I mean, as a global brand ambassador, like when you're, when you're going into these spots, like you only have a few days to kind of really have an impact. Right. And I'm sure there's gotta be some level of ROI, right. Where you just can't, you know, go back to Sikinder and be like, like, yeah, that was a really fun trip. Like there's, there's follow-up, there's things that you have to do. What are some of the unglamorous sides of, of those trips? Because like you, you have the, you have the master classes, which you have already said that you love doing those. That's kind of the thing, but there's gotta be some other stuff where you're just kind of like, yep. And then I had to talk to the distributor about how much stuff they're not ordering or whatever the case may be. Like, what are what, what would you say are the unglamorous sides of of this this world trekking that you get to do? One hundred percent the admin, <laughs> just <laughs> just the just the logistics of it all. So, so to give you an idea, so this was 14, 14 countries, eighty six days on the road. Mitch, and I'll forgive, talk to forgive me, forgive me. Yeah. I don't think we said it in the beginning. Where where are you located right now? I, I'm I'm in Amsterdam, so in Amsterdam. I live in just Amsterdam. Way, just the way just yeah. way our our listeners understand exactly what what you're talking about when you're saying you're globe trotting exactly where you're where you're based out of. Okay, continue. Yeah, so so based in Amsterdam, uh, putting together this 86 day tour, and sometimes I'll talk to people from other brands, and they're like, "Oh, who who books your flights?" And I'm like, "What do you what do you mean? I do." And they're like, "Oh, but who arranges the hotels?" And you're like same same answer you know and 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 then and then honestly my the greatest bane in in life the the greatest and best the greatest and worst part of the job is expenses right because you (laughs) you know 
one of the highlights you, you get as a brand ambassador and, and one of the things everyone goes, I want to be a brand ambassador is you get this card and you can go into a bar and you can order drinks and you can buy everyone a shot and, you know, you, you spread this brand love around the world. But then at some point down the line, you have to, you know, take a photo of each receipt, put it on a spreadsheet and, and remember who, who had those drinks with you and why you bought that round. And, and that's definitely the worst part of the job. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, trying to figure out this stack of receipts and be like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, between, between the booking, the flights, the working out the logistics, the working out the time zones of when you're going to land and if you're going to be there on time for this masterclass and then, and then, yeah, accounting for it all afterwards. Yeah. All the paperwork. If I could just get someone to do that for me, I would be very happy. <laughs> well, like I've said, I've always volunteered to be, you know, an ambassador for you guys. So that's, that's there. Okay. So what what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read just kind of like what your schedule was like, because again, there is a lot of glamour to this. There's a lot of buying drinks and, and stuff like that. But I think you also did like one of my favorite tour announcements of like all time. And it was just like this notebook. There's a little bottle of black tot there. And then it's just dates and this insane mm. travel schedule. So <laughs> to start it off, you start off February 5th. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yep. you go from New York City to Orlando to Miami back to New York City. That's just the 5th to the 15th. <laughs> then you go to Connecticut, Massachusetts. You are going to Rochester. Psych. You're going to Rumchester. Um, Buffalo, <laughs> Toronto, and then you, sh- and then from there, totally reasonable. You go from Toronto down to <laughs> Guadalajara and then Mexico city. Then that brings us to March where you go from the grand Cayman to back up to Calgary, to Edmonton, to Victoria, to Vancouver, then down back again to Jamaica, then to Kalua Lampore. That's where you're going to meet Chanel, our good friend. <laughs> and she's awesome as well. And then Jakarta was the end of March. And then from that point in April, you head to Singapore, Beijing, Shanghai, maybe both. I don't know. We'll see. That's on the, That's on there. <laughs> South Korea, Taiwan, Japan, and then finishing the last week of April in Hong Kong. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was quite the tour. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was indeed. I mean, and again, I mean, I feel like when you get, when you get done with that and you look back, I mean, is there a way to kind of measure to be like, okay, guess who's, guess who's crushing with Black Tot now? Taiwan. Like that's just, is the, I mean, do you feel like that you get to have that kind of impact when, when you visit these places? Cause I mean, I don't know. I mean, is, is Taiwan a, a rum soaked country? Is this something that, you know, they were beating down your hotel room door for when you were there? Like what, what was that experience like? <laughs> I think, I think it's about to be, uh, it, it's, it's really interesting. It, and, and doing the contrast between say America, Canada, and then going to Asia in the second half. Was a, it was a really good eye opener, really, really interesting reminder of, of where rum is at in the world. Because it, I think in a lot of the Western countries, we've been saying for years now, oh, rum's the next big thing, or it's it's coming up and it's starting to, you're starting to see rum at whiskey clubs and and these, you know, it's it's on the periphery at least for most people. In Asia, I think 
there are some places where rum is starting to to creep in, but there's a lot of places where they're like, why would we why would we have premium rum? Why why would this ever be a thing? And it's like, it's it's coming. You know, it might not be here yet, but it's <laughs> it's going to be here in the next few years. Like, get ahead of it now. And and there was a few places in in Asia where I was doing tastings, and it was you know it was the first rum masterclass they'd ever heard of let alone attend it you know they're like okay let's see what rum's about you know we didn't we didn't know anything about rum and so it's it's kind of exciting to be at the start of some of these some of these journeys but taiwan's an interesting one taiwan's a little further along i think in terms of their they're so big on their whiskey that and and their spirits that they've they've started to you know be aware that there's there's other things going on and so you're seeing some really good rums available in, in a lot of these countries, you know, in Taiwan, in Japan. It might not have hit that mainstream point yet, but, you know, you can go down to a liquor store and you can find bottles of Hampton and Foursquare and Plantation, all these all these rums, which, you know, everyone knows. You're like, there's actually a really good selection available, which is which is encouraging to see. What's the contrast like when you go to Jamaica then? Like, because that is... It's got to be a rum soap country, you know, and you're well, talking to them. What's that conversation sort of look like? Well, you, you've <laughs> so you, you've hit one of the one of the snags on the tour. So we um, there were two changes to the itinerary, uh, which happened on on the way. And one of them was was Jamaica. We I, unfortunately I had to postpone that leg. We got. We got invited to do, uh, basically, to sponsor the birthday party, the sixth sixth birthday party of Jungle Bird in Kuala Lumpur, uh, in Malaysia. And the only way I could do it, if I was still going to do Jamaica, there was there was like, <laughs> I think it was a nineteen hour overnight flight to Jamaica. I would have had two and a half days to visit six distilleries. And then a thirty-five-hour flight from Jamaica to Kuala Lumpur to make it in time for the birthday party. Oh my there. god! And I was like, and I was, I was really, really like weighing it up. And I was like, what am I doing? Like two and a half days in Jamaica to go around all six distilleries. Like this isn't. I'm just ruining it for myself. So I, so I've actually postponed that to later on in the year, and it, it gave me an extra couple of days either side to actually get into Kuala Lumpur, be ready for it and, and give my best for the birthday party. So, uh, so yeah, so that one, unfortunately we didn't make to, but it's, it is interesting. I mean, you know, in the Caribbean in general, when you go there, it's a very different conversation because, you know, when you're on each Island, when you're in each place, you're not talking about global rum so much. You're talking about their rum, you know? Right. So, yeah, you know, we go to a rum bar in America, in Amsterdam, wherever it is, and we're we're used to seeing, you know, rums from all around the world, rums from all around the Caribbean, from Asia, from Australia. You know, you'd expect to see a real snapshot of everything to to call it a good rum bar. If you go to Barbados, if you go to these places, it's like you're you're not you're not looking at world rum for the most part. You're looking at Barbados rum, or you're looking at Jamaican rum, or you're looking at Grenadian rum, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, and you, you, you run up and you're like, where's all the other rum? And they're like, what other rum? Like, this is our rum. This is, <laughs> this is every distillery that matters in the world right here on this shelf. And there's, there's four distilleries. That's it, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's a very different thing when you go there, you know, it's, it's, it's mm. not how we perceive it. We're, we're kind of lucky in a way because we get to see this snapshot of everything. But when you're there, it's like, this is what you're drinking on this island. Yeah. Now, you know, so you, you, know, you just hit, or you're just a little over three years now, you know, and I think the obvious answer is, you know, what's been the biggest learning curve is just like how to deal with the pandemic. But if you remove the pandemic stuff and kind of everything that came with it, like what has been kind of the most surprising thing about being in this role for you that maybe you weren't expecting? Ooh, I think, I think still uh, my biggest concern with the role, especially doing a global role is that you're, you're stretched quite thin, right? You've got to cover so much ground and, I've always had this perception that as a global ambassador, you maybe don't have the same level of impact or, or, or have the same connections or the same relationships as you would if you're just in one place. And, and I still think there's an element to that that's true. But what has surprised me and what's really made it worthwhile for me is having this wider reach has meant that, you know, uh, you know, uh, relationships like yours and mine, Drew, have have come out and 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 materialized, which would never have happened if I was just based in Europe or just based in in one region. You know, and and yeah, I, th- I think meaningful connections have still happened, even though we've never met. <laughs> you know, or right. or we haven't had as much time together, and and yet that that has still happened and and it's really it's really given me a chance to to work and and have insight into places that you know maybe i'd visited before but never actually got to see okay what does a rum tasting in america look like what does a rum tasting in the caribbean look like you know it's 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 given me perspectives on places that i wouldn't have had before and it's allowed me to to meet new friends and and have relationships that I never never would have had before this. So yeah, I'm re- I'm really grateful for that, and it's um yeah, it's one of the nicest parts of the job, I think. Well, and even even before this, you kind of were a bit of just like you know a traveler, you know uh, already. Uh, you you spent some time in Australia. Um, you spent some time in Southern California. You kind of bounced around. Is there? I mean, now being in Amsterdam. And then just doing like this, this world, you know, this partial world tour is, did you come across any areas that you were kind of like, I could see myself here, you know, grab the cat, grab the lady, we'll come here for a little bit. Was there, was there any place like that, that maybe you had never considered living in before that you would now after your most recent trip? There's definitely a couple of spots where I'd I'd be like, I don't know if I'd move there fully because Amsterdam is, is I think, still my dream city. But um, a couple of places that really stood out for me were Kuala Lumpur. Um, the the food, the people, just the whole atmosphere there is is wild and crazy. I think the traffic would drive me insane, so maybe not. But it's like, <laughs> honestly, some of the best food I've ever had in my life was there. Tokyo was a real, you know, it's just Tokyo is just cool. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like, okay, I would like to go and spend at least a month there and just really check it out. 
yeah i don't know there's there's a mexico as well even going to mexico city was just like a real eye-opener and and there's such a cool vibe there so many cool cocktail bars and you know and it and it's and it's cheap you know you can go there and you can eat the most amazing food ever and and you know really live a good lifestyle there as well which is which is kind of not something we think about when we're talking about living in london or amsterdam or new york or la or any of these places you know it's like oh you can actually you can actually enjoy life as well and not not pay the world for the most delicious food and drinks so yeah it's it's there's just so many incredible places out there it's really um yeah really hard but amsterdam's still my still my home still where my heart is i think (laughs) well that makes sense i mean i hear nothing but good things and eventually Eventually, I'll get I'll get out there. So before we move on to our top stories, like one of the other things I want to ask you is, you know, you the the headquarters for uh, for Elixir is in London, right? Yes. Okay, and so you're in Amsterdam, not the same place, right? So just confirming the American, you know, education <laughs> system here. What I mean, you know, obviously, like you're 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 busting your ass and you're putting these two things together, but during this downtime, we're just being able to be home. Cause I mean, obviously you're still working. Like what does that typical day look like, you know, for a global brand ambassador? And then just because I want to make sure I get it out of my, I, I ask it now is if we have listeners who are just kind of like, Hey, I want to be a brand ambassador or maybe I want to be a global brand ambassador. I mean, hell, how, how many countries are we in now? Chris, 27, 36, 20, 36. We got global presence here. So if people, you know, so so start with kind of like the day to day, like kind of what you're doing now, and then if I mean, like this is such a dream gig, and I know you've told me the story about how you got it, but if you have like tips for people, like hey, this is how you go and and get these quote unquote dream jobs. I, I think first of all, if you're if you're looking for any kind of brand ambassador gig, the the for me the number one thing is don't don't just wait for a job to come along and go, I I think I could do that. Find, find the brand that you would love to work for and, and let them know, approach them, you know, like you've, you've got to think if you're, if you're doing a gig like this and say you're doing a three month tour or even a two week tour, whatever it is, every single day, you've got to be out there, you know, drinking that product, talking about that product. If you don't love it, they're gonna know you know like there's this yeah uh, yeah I, I remember seeing brand ambassadors coming coming up to the bars when I when I was still a bartender and you know just having that sort of dead look in their eye and just exhausted and being like can I just have a wine or a gin and tonic or anything that isn't my product <laughs> and you're like geez maybe you should work for a different thing <laughs> like <laughs> variety is good but you know it's i always remember it and be like man you've really you've really got to enjoy what you (laughs) what you're drinking and pushing so yeah i would i would start there finally you know if if any for anyone and and anyone who's thinking of of moving from the bar into a brand ambassador role or even from wherever into a ba role find the thing that you would love to talk about all day every day and then speak speak to that company ask if they've got something coming up see if you know see if they're hiring see if they're thinking of anything in the future um 
offer them a solution to a problem they might not know they have. You know, be like, I think you could do a lot more in this city if you had me, you know, and and see what they say. You know, they might be like, actually, we've we've been thinking about that and that could be your foot in the door. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, I'm always available for a conversation with you guys. So, you know, got to put that out there. <laughs> you're, you're on my list. <laughs> yeah, well... I know, like you gave me, you gave me a hard time when, uh, when I left JVS, and I just was like, I was like, <laughs> man, I can't, I offer you my services like eighteen hundred times. I don't know what to tell you at this point. I had to, I had to find something, you know, something to go and do in the, in the meantime, <laughs> until you guys get bigger. So that's what. Well, it's great, and then it, so then in terms of kind of like what you're doing right now with like the more downtime, less traveling. What does that look like for a brand ambassador? Is it? I mean, are you? engaging with people online are you you know obviously i'm sure you're putting together more visits and master classes like what's some of what's some of that look like right now for you yeah so at the moment it's a combination of things it's part of it is you know rounding up what we've done off the last three months and making sure there's there's follow-ups and and everything that needs to happen there people um, actually buying the rum right so we yeah, like, hey, yeah. i did a master class you know <laughs> Go and do it. But, well, yeah, you know, you, you always hope the place you visited, it, it had an impact and, and that it builds because, you know, you want an excuse to go back to these places as well. Then there's a lot of planning for the next two months coming up. So uh, from next week, I'll be on the road basically for another two months until the end of July uh, when we have Black Tot Day on the 31st of July. So that's a big... Uh, a big event for us and we'll be launching our new black top master blenders reserve at the end of july as well so so yeah it's sort of gearing up for all the tastings and trainings that will will be happening over the next two months for that uh and hopefully you know everyone loves our new rum that comes out as well in the end of july so so yeah a lot a lot of planning this week <laughs> what is what does black top day look like for black top Rum, like, like the, the black top brand like what does that look like for mm. you guys it's uh, so it's a really hard one when when i first started i mean no one really cared about black top day and there's still only you know a handful of people that do it's <laughs> it's mainly rum nerds and old uh -huh. sailors who love black top day right um so the idea was always rather than just make it a day, let's spread it out over the whole of July and do a month of parties, events, masterclasses um, around the world and, and start to really, you know, shout about the brand and get people geared up for the 31st of July at the end of the month. We've never been able to do it because of the pandemic. You know, we've done stuff online, but we've never really been able to do this global global party, if you like, around the world. Um, and this is going to be the first year where we actually uh, start doing multiple countries and, and traveling around a lot. So, so yeah. So for for us, Black Top Day, Black Top Month, if you like, will be thirty one days of as many cities as possible, me going around doing masterclasses, guest shifts, events. 31st of July, we'll throw a massive party somewhere and hopefully all of the other bars, which we've done throughout that month, also do their own party and we just we just get the world drinking rum for a day. You know, that's that's kind of the dream. <laughs> so. and, and what version 
because I'm looking at myself right now. I have 21. I have 22. Is 23 in the U.S. or is that something that we're gonna have to wait another year before us to get? Because I know it's been we've we've always been a little bit behind and something I love to give you shit about. So Master Blenders Reserve 2023 will be coming. We'll be launching it on the 31st of July. We are hoping this will be the first year ever where it will actually arrive in America on the same year <laughs> that we launch it. That would be great. That'd be awesome. So so yeah, sort of. I'm I'm earmarking September this year to be a, a US tour and for us to have the rum there or at the very least I'll have a suitcase full of it that I'll be bringing around for people to taste. Lovely. And might even be my first trip to California with the brand and, and coming to see this guy Drew Garrison that I keep hearing so much about. So I'm just gonna just <laughs> I'm just gonna follow you around like a lost puppy dog. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, I mean, you know, all of this is, is so exciting. And again, I hope, you know, people who aspire to be a brand ambassador see what a psychotic decision it is. So, <laughs> you know, now I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay. Okay, so keeping it rum focused, I wanted to talk about Appleton, the Jamaican rum that is going to be releasing a new, uh, or maybe new, not really new, an old 17-year-old rum that we're being told is the original rum that was used in the 1944 um, Trader Vic's Mai Tai. This is something that has been kind of like the holy grail for a lot of people trying to figure out what the actual rum was in, you know, in that. And there's some debate and then going back, like, what does it actually taste like? Was it this? Was it that? Um, really, really fun rabbit hole to go to go down. You should definitely check out our, our buddy Kevin Crossman for any type of Mai Tai related information. But um, this has been announced and it is coming. It is there is not a lot of it. I will say that. And it looks like the price tag is going to be around $500 for a bottle. Yeah. For a bottle, a bottle, um, which means that I would assume most enthusiasts won't get to try it (laughs) because when you start getting into limited and expensive, you know, Mitch, you have some, you have some pretty strong feelings on, on uh, not drinking valuable rums. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on on hearing about this and and what you think is going to happen with this rum? I I think it's exciting. I'm I I always think it's exciting when the bigger rum companies put out rums like this. And I mean to put the price to put the price in perspective, right? If you wanted a bottle of the actual Ray and Nephew 17, if you could even find one. I think the last bottles that went for auction of that were about 30 to 40,000 pounds a bottle. So comparatively, 500 quid is cheap. (laughs) I'm like, everyone's, you know, everyone's mind's blown at the moment by the price. I'm like, well, the alternative is a lot more. Right. so, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting, but when, when you see for for me, it's a really good sign, right? Then when you've got a company 
like Appleton, which is owned by Campari, or Mount Gay, which is owned by Remy Quantro. Like when you've got these big companies who are releasing these now higher end rums or pot still rums or something which is, you know, much more expensive than their their regular expressions. To me, it's a great sign because someone somewhere in that company has done the numbers and done the math and gone, wow, you know, there's enough, there's enough interest in premium rum, whatever that means to you. There's, it's worth us now releasing these higher end rums and there's people out there who are going to buy them. And rather than just a group of us rum nerds going, I think rum's moving up. I think rum's, you know, it's the becoming next big more thing. serious. And <laughs> it's the next big thing. It's like so- someone who probably gets paid a lot more money than us to actually analyze this data has gone, yeah, it is the next big thing. Let's let's release some rum that reflects that, you know? So, yeah, it's limited. It's going to be hard to get a hold of. I hope I get a bottle, you know. I'll, I'll certainly be in the, in the queue for it. But I I think it's a good sign, you know. I think it's a good sign that, that rum is heading that way and, and that, you know, it isn't just pirates and sea monsters anymore. No, there's some serious rum out there. And if you want to take it to that level, boom, here we go. So the so the belief is there are only going to be fifteen hundred bottles for the entire world. Mm. So so yeah, I mean that's that's also something that would be would be would be tough to to track down. So you know, I think I think for also for our listeners, I think it's it's good to put that into perspective. That's about three, approximately three barrels. You know. You know, give or take, depending on what Angel Share is on that uh, and how well, long it's so, been around. So they they do have it listed here on how many casks it was. Mm-hmm. I do think that you have to compensate for it being Jamaica. So I think you yeah. I think you didn't consider enough how how much uh, Angel Share there was. They list it as a total of twenty cask yielded fifteen hundred bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my. Uh, Sorry, my assertion of that is what what it comes down to on the final product, not not where they started, and not what not kind of like what developed through. Oh, I see. At, at the I end, see. it's about three barrels for what we're used to for barrels. That's not like an atypical large barrel or anything like that. For yeah, it's yeah, not it's, a, it's not a lot. Now, okay, so this so this was a fun this was a fun game that that we used to play on actually on this show. And it was we would take auction bottles and we'd be like, okay, so you know, here's what here's what this thing sold for. Do you hold it and sell it later, more than likely for a huge increase, or do you drink it? So, Mitch, where do you where do you stand on that? If you were able to get a bottle, are you I mean are you popping it as you walk out the store, or what's happening? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Uh, I think well. With anything really rare, if if I can, I always I, I always try and buy two bottles, right? And <laughs> I want I want two because I want to drink one and pop one immediately, and I want one to hold on to once it's all run out. Not because I'm going to necessarily sell it. I've never, I mean, to this day, I've never been able to sell a bottle of rum because I've drunk them all. <laughs> I'm very bad at investing. But my my theory is, if if you drink that first bottle and 
you don't like it or it's not for you, then you've got another bottle sure. You can sell it or you can pass it on to a friend or, or whatever it is. If everything goes right though, and you don't need to sell it, you've you've got and and you do like that rum, then in a few years' time when that rum's disappeared, you've got the most magic mo- moment waiting to open for a friend that comes over and you're like, here, try this rum, which you're never gonna get to try again. You know, and that and that for me is is the exciting thing. You know, I've got probably two, 200, 300 rums or so, I don't know, here. And it's like, if if someone comes around to Amsterdam and they come over to my place, like you guys are invited, obviously, you know, you see a bottle of rum, which you want to try. It's like, amazing. Let's, let's open it. Let's drink it together, you know? So I've, I've always had that, that feeling that, that rum should be shared, but, but yeah, I, I get people buy and sell and all that stuff and, and, you know, fair play to them if they do that. But for me, it's, it's, you know, if you don't need to sell it and, and you're not in a tough place, then then keep it. You've got these magic moments waiting to open at some point in the future and it's gonna be exciting. Chris, where do you where do you land? Are you holding on to it or are you drinking it? No, I'm drinking this one. Well, well hands down. I mean, especially as a cocktail nerd and and like a, a, a history buff in this world of things, like you being able to experience at least theoretically that original moment of what, what the Mai Tai was. And so you're, are you making a Mai Tai with it? One, 1000%. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. I think I would, yeah, I think yeah, I'd yeah. have to do the same thing, right? I yeah. Mean, like, well, I mean, one you know, what I'm really curious about, and I, you know, in the article, uh, they talked to Joy Spence and, you know, she came on board in 1981 and they were still producing. I think, much to my surprise, were you guys surprised by by learning that they were still producing the seventeen year up up to that point in time? <laughs> oh, for sure. I yeah, you know, but having to go back and recreate that, I'm I'm curious what her source was. I my guess, but this is always my guess because I don't know many other places that do this. She probably, you know, found some stock at EA Shear. Right. And which is there in Amsterdam with you and, and probably found some, you know, uh, you know, dregs of it that she could bring back by sample in order to recreate it in, in that way. So so this there is a little bit of insight into this a few years ago um, would have been roughly when, when I started at, at Trailer Happiness 10, 12 years ago, they they found in Jamaica at Appleton, they'd found a couple of boxes of Ray and Nephew 17 year old. Oh, is that right? And it was just like, it, it wasn't with the original labels on. I think it just had, you know, sample stock or some, something on it. And they found a couple of boxes of this and they gifted one of the boxes to different bartenders around the world. So I think one went to Trailer Happiness, one went to Beach Bunbury. Uh, I think Martin Kate got one. Like there was a, Fuck, that's there was cool. a few hand, yeah, handful of people around the world has got one. One of Yeah, he yeah. got these bottles. And then I believe the other case went up to auction. And that's where the 30,000, 30, pounds a bottle <laughs> came from. Because I've, I've there was a story where they drank this bottle at trailer and then a week later it went for auction and it was 30, 40,000 pounds a bottle. And it was like, Oh, like if, I mean, that would be a bottle where you'd be like, I, I asked the guys at the time, I was like, did, did you regret drinking that bottle that was then worth 30, 40,000 pounds? And they were like, 
no, it was amazing. You know, <laughs> like that that sums up trailer and and you know how how we should approach run. But yeah, so there was definitely some bottles kicking around still, and and I'm my understanding is Joy Joy obviously would have had some of this stock, tried that, and then using her palette, which is amazing, being able to like go right, this is this is a recreation of those flavors and and bring it back. So yeah, I'm really I'm really excited to try. I mean, you know, as as any, th- there aren't many distilleries out there in in my opinion where I'd be beyond eager to just accept anything from you know from this brand but uh appleton and ray nephew 1000 percent, they're they're in there you know like it's like them and compass box and like there's 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 a handful where it's like they can do no wrong in my opinion so it's like if they release a thousand dollar bottle i 1000 percent believe that it's worth one thousand dollars or you know whatever whatever Mm. that ends up being and if it becomes a collector's item sure but usually for those brands I'm drinking it. I, I want to know. I, I want to like be able to experience. I want to tell my grandkids, hey, I did this. So so in addition to just the rarity of this bottle and stuff like that, another aspect to it was they released 36 bottles to Block Bar. And yes. Block Bar sold NFTs of this. And you can there. So there was third, like I said, 36 of them. And you can actually go onto blockbar.com. And what this does is that if you buy this before the June release, it guarantees you a bottle. So they have, you know, 26 or they have, they have them all listed here. And there's, there's people who basically give you the option to make an offer. And then there are people who are like, Hey, this is available already. There are prices of 1100, 1000, 1400, uh, mm. 997. Let's see here. What else? And then, yeah, so these 36 people were able to understand NFTs and <laughs> buy one right away. Well, yeah. it's so funny because even like looking at this, it's like, you know, how'd you get it? Caught on the blockchain with Ethereum. And that's and that's usually when I like glaze over and then almost die from just like absolute boredom on a subject, you know, especially considering the past year that all this stuff has had in terms of, you know, crypto and NFTs and stuff like that. It's kind of strange that after that year and it's probably one of those scenarios where like just the wheels were in motion we had to release it this way because we agreed to do this so long ago yeah but uh but yeah and i just you you almost want to be like like hey guys like let's look at let's see here if i go to one of these offers so so the owner han solo sounds like a great guy and just be like, it's like, it's like, can I give you, can I give you eight hundred dollars of real dollars that you can use at more than one place, and and then I get to have the bottle. How do we feel about that? You know, so so it'll be interesting to see, kind of, kind of what happens um, here. Mm-hmm. There is a guy that's named Trader Vin, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think that he's a big tiki guy so that's cool i'm glad somebody who's a who's a fan got it (laughs) just like making judgments based off people's (laughs) handles han Han solo is a space pirate so 
Yeah, I guess that's true. There's a shameful sangria. Oh, come on. <laughs> a lot of great points. Oh, a tiki connoisseur got it. Let's see. If, is there like more information to learn about? Nope. No, there isn't. Okay. They only have one thing. This is like a whole deal here. So you can go to blockbar.com and just buy pictures of bottles that you want. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a brave new world we're, we're in right now, right? It's, it, it, it is interesting. And, and I, I was speaking to a friend of mine who, who works with Campari and, and he was saying exactly what you, you just said, you know, when this idea first came up, you know, NFTs were this, with this hot new thing. And, and yeah, the wheels were definitely well in motion long before the, the big, the big drop off happened with it all. But I mean, it, it's an interesting idea, you know, like uh, I, I definitely looked at it. I, I, I think like most people, I was probably a little bit confused how it all worked. I was like, ah, oh, do I get a free picture and a bottle of rum? It's like, no, you've got to burn your picture before you can get the bottle of rum. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to you know, I'm, I'm, we covered bottle, you know? <laughs> we covered this story a long time ago. You know, probably well over a year year ago now, Drew. But the um the pen folds NFTs. You know, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious what's going on with those. You know, in, yeah. in this in in this world, that was such a groundbreaking thing when they did it. I I'm really fascinated to know how it's like playing out today. Well, yeah, I mean. I don't know. We need to find someone who like gives a shit about this stuff. If they're, if those people <laughs> still exist, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like seeing things here, you know, that I'm just kind of like, I'm like, wait, what is this worth something? Like, I don't understand, you know, and, and again, especially now, oddly enough on block bars website, they do have a section for like, you know, NFTs in the news and, or block bar in the press. And there's nothing about the market falling apart. That's so weird that they would omit that. I just don't, <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> but okay, let's make a pact right now. If any one of us gets this freaking bottle, we're sharing it with the other two. Okay. Do we have a deal there? Yep. Done. Picture of my time. All right. Okay, so I think it's, I think it's time to move on to my favorite part of the show. You know who's dope? Them over there. That's right. It's the dope <laughs> follows. And the dope follows can be anything. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show. It could be a podcast. As long as you still listen to this podcast, you can recommend other podcasts. <laughs> and, all the, and all the different things. So uh, books, Instagram accounts, Facebook groups, blah, 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 bars, restaurants, whatever. Whoever we think is dope that our listeners should be checking out. So Mitch, kick it off. Who's your dope follow? Oh, I've got, I've got a couple for you. If I, the, if I may. Let's do it. Absolutely. So the, the, I've got one uh, Instagram, which just brought me so much joy. And on, on those tough days on the tour, just, just was making me laugh. It's called Siegfried und joy. Und UND. Siegfried und Joy, and they are just my favorite magicians in the world. Uh, just go and check out all of their Instagram videos and just, yeah, just just have a laugh. They're amazing. <laughs> uh, I've got my my colleague, my partner in crime for this 86-day tour was uh, Chanel LaCourie, who's on Instagram as I Dram of Nelly. 
uh, go and give her a follow because she's awesome and she kept me sane on the on the 86 days. She really is and, like uh, an enigma of awesomeness. Like I just <laughs> there's like just something about her. You're just kind of like like I need to like hang out with that person. Just the dopest dope I've ever smoked. I don't get it. Yeah, every every time you think you found out like the maximum level of coolness that she can reach, she does something else cool, and you're like, fuck, okay. <laughs> so yeah go and uh, check out chanel also the best name in booze chanel lacory like she was born to do yeah it. yeah yep agreed <laughs> and then uh a shout out for anyone who's who's listening to this who isn't in the rum world yet but but wants to learn more about rum uh go and check out cocktailwonk.com written by my friend matt petrek uh he's just written an awesome body of rum um of, of rum work that's just worth checking out online. He's written a couple of books now as well. Um, For, yeah, former guest on the Good Bottle Podcast. I was going to say, well. you can go you back go. a few few episodes and and listen to him talk to us. Yeah, no, he does a tireless and often thankless job of uh, writing about the rum world and all the geeky parts you want to know. And yeah, I just think it's a fantastic resource for anyone looking to learn more about rum. You know what's what's so funny is I recently had this interaction with someone who was like critical of Matt's loyalties and whatnot, which sometimes he gets a hard time because of his associations with like, you know, different different rum groups and whatnot. And then in the same conversation was like, and then but I'm gonna have him write up some stuff for for us. And it's just kind of like, what the like so even though he he has this ultimate level of you know praise like people still find a way to be shitty it just it blew my mind but it's so he yeah. said like, that, just, that, I just, that just made me think of the thankless part right where it's kind of like good lord nothing true has ever been said I, th- I think it's important for everyone to remember even you know no matter who you follow no matter who you read or you know if it's this podcast if it's your favorite blogger whatever like a lot of these guys are doing it just because they love it and they they're passionate about it and they get paid zero to do it. They're just trying to put something good and positive and shiny in the world. And anyone who shits on a writer or, or someone because they managed to get paid for a couple of weeks by a brand, whether you like that brand or not, like screw you. If, if a writer found a way to make money, that's pretty amazing. Like Amen. let them, let them, let them get some money and then sure judge, judge them on their integrity and their, they're biased going forward, you know, but like, damn, if, you, if you're good enough to get paid by someone to do a bit of work after years of writing for free, uh, full respect to that person. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I totally I agree. It's crazy. So, so yeah, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of artists getting paid, whether it's <laughs> music, podcasts, writing, whatever. And, and I think, you know, we should, we should all be supporting those guys. So, yeah. No, oh, well put. I, I love it, Chris. Uh, who's your dope follow? I've got a few. Oh God! Uh, today, uh, you number know the one. Rules. Come on. Number one is Hazel is online. H a z e l i s o l. Sorry, o n l i n e on Instagram. She is a uh, hipster economist, uh, and I fucking love her content. She does a great job of just breaking down sort of complex economic news and and theories and and making it extremely digestible in like really short soundbite sort of ways she's great 
Uh, and then numbers two and three on my dope follow list are actually apps. And uh, these are apps that I use on, on a regular basis for doing my job. And I'm always interested in talking to other, you know, owners, you know, professionals and seeing, seeing what they use. And what's actually been a lot of fun uh, in moving to the ownership space is talking to my wife and getting to know that the, the tools like the, the tech tools that she uses for, uh, for teaching and for admin and whatnot uh, and, and getting those things that, that like professionals in other fields use to be successful in their job and integrate them into, into, you know, the bar world and the, the ownership space. So I use bear app and padlet app. Uh, both are really fantastic. Uh, bear is a great note taking app has an amazing microphone and, and intelligent AI for, for, um, uh, narrating and, and grabbing notes. So I can, I can literally just turn on my microphone during, during meetings and grab the entire meeting. And then Padlet is, is a great place to, to hold documents as well. And, um, great example is at, at Bodega, we use Padlet to house all of our, all of our recipes, all of our training materials and, uh, all of our, um, best practices, uh, it's all there and our entire staff has access to them all the time. And it's, we give them a training binder because some people like having that physical part, but everyone, everyone who works at, at Bodega has access to this Padlet and they can always just like pull it right up on their phone, uh, whether they're like looking at syrup recipes or anything like that. So it's, it's immediate and great to use. Nice. Nice. I like it. I was, I was looking up Pavlet first, almost like Pavlova. <laughs> Pavlova. I, I'll take that. I'll take that app also. <laughs> Padlet, right? Okay. Well, I'm. I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep this the streak going. Um, I wasn't gonna do more than one, but it, it it turned into it. So, I have a friend of mine who been very lucky to watch her grow up into this just like awesome. She's always been an amazing person, but now she's an awesome adult and also happens to be a scientist. Um, she's a microbiologist. And her Instagram is scientist dot Sarah Wolf, and it's S A R A H W O L F. So scientist dot Sarah Wolf, and she did this video the other day where she was talking about just you know some microbiology and this book that she really enjoyed, and the book is called Poop Happened. And it's all about the history of poop in our culture and how it's been dealt with. And I and I was so entertained by it, you know, mostly because I'm always rooting for her. But um, but I was, I was like, man, this is really good. And then I look up the book and find out that this author is a is actually a children's author and has all these other fun books too. So the other one was like Troublemakers in Trousers, which is about women and what they had to do to get things done. So I'm like, well, that's great because I'm always going to buy those books for my daughter. And then they had another one called Poison, which is like Deadly Deeds and Perilous Professions and Murderous Medicine. So I'm like, I love stuff like that too. So then I went and bought all those books and that's by the author Sarah Albee. And she's on Instagram as well as Sarah Again, spelled with an H, J Albee, which is A L B E E, and these are just like really fun books. And she also has a collection of children's books. But I've been reading the Poop Happened so far, and it is so entertaining. And again, I 
just can't say enough for the human spirit and the fact that we have been able to survive despite just being disgusting animals for so long. Um, it just blows my mind. So, so those are, so those are my two. So, so check out scientist.sarahwolf and then check out Sarah J. Albee and then buy Sarah's books and watch, watch um, my scientist friends, microbiology things that are like way smarter than me, but she does a great job at presenting them and making it understandable. Um, so yeah, those are, those are, those are some pretty dope follows guys. Good job. I'm proud of you all. I'm following. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join. Oh, that's the wrong. Come on. You got so close. Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by Leon Chase and produced pretty well up until this moment by uh, by these two guys. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you subscribe and please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Simple things like that make a huge difference to us. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison Six. Chris is Chris Sinflair. Mitch, where can they find you on the social medias? How can they get a hold of you if they have rum-related questions or they want you to visit their country? Absolutely, yeah. Drop me a message. I'm on Instagram as Mitch said this. Love it. Love it. Uh, as always, we would like you to thank you for tuning in and listening to this buffoonery. If there's anyone you think we should talk to, reach out to. We'll make sure Drew gets his liquid courage up to ask. And I'll do it because I care. It's true, you do. You care. And I, I wanted to... Mitch, can you can you hit... I saw you pour some rum, and I know that you want to do your cheers. So can you, can you <laughs> drop the greatest cheers... Mantra is mantra saying <laughs> on on these good people. Absolutely. Do you guys have a little drink there? It's, Let me grab it's, mine. It's probably more appropriate drinking time where you are than it is here. But disagree. God, I, got, I got I got my twenty twenty one master Bunners reserve here. I've, yeah, I'm on the the 22 here. I got told this thing the other day where someone was saying they went to, I think it was Cuba, and they were rinsing out their espresso cups with a little shot of rum. And I was like, oh, damn, I'm going to do that this morning. So I've got a little espresso, espresso infusion. Yeah, right? Like, what a great way to end your cup of coffee. <laughs> so, uh, so we have this toast, which was taught to me by the guy who taught me about rum and bartending and uh, I always like to share it with people at the end of our master classes so uh, uh, so if if you guys join me uh, repeat after me and we'll do it together so there are tall ships there are tall, tall ships. ships and there are small ships there are small and ships and there are small ships and there are ships that sail the sea and there are ships and that, that sail, sail the, sea. the sea but the best ships but, but the, the best, best ships, ships our friendships. Our friendships. Our friendships. So here's to you and me. So here's, so here's to, you, to and you and me. me. Cheers. Yes. Cheers, fellas. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. No, they were lovely. That's our new sign-off right there. Every time. I'm going to call <laughs> you at some ungodly hour and be like, hey, we're signing <laughs> off the podcast right now. I need you to do your toast again. <laughs> well, I would be honored. <laughs> The official Toastmaster. (laughs) Take care, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Have a lovely week.